and then we can, you know, go to market together as a whole denone to our retailers. And that, and that's powerful. And we can see that impact within advertising metrics as well as, as sales metrics, as, which, you know, like I said, you don't really have on, on a lot of other tactics. All right, welcome back to Creator Economy Live. We are your hosts, Keith Bendis and Brendan Gann, and this is episode 25. We made it to 25, y'all. Brendan, when we started, be honest, did you think we'd get to 25? That's a good question. I don't know. I think I sort of was just rolling with it without thinking too far ahead at all, (laughs) for better or worse. (laughs) I would have said after our beautiful chemistry in episode one, I knew this day would come. That's a good point. Once we got rolling. Well, 25, we're here. Got to give a shout out to our sponsors at Linkia. If you need your brand agency, you need a partner to craft, execute, measure, or just up-level your influencer creator investments, you should be working with the best in the business. And that is Linkia. I trust them so much. I work there full time. This is not actually my job, this podcast. Uh, but if you want to book a consultation or a platform demo, just email hello at linkia.com. Say that Keith and Brendan sent you. I heard as of yesterday, there's a free brand lift study in it for you if you if you say that we mentioned. And can I just interject on this point one second? I, I mean, I, I, being a Vegas uh, dude, Keith, I mean, I, I know I sort of mentioned it as an aside, but like, geez, like uh, the amount of like your current and previous clients that like were like, Keith is amazing. I wish like I just <laughs> want to work with Keith on everything. And like he's like my favorite person. Like uh so I mean, huge, huge props and uh a ringing endorsement for you there. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. We love our partners and there were a lot of good people at Vegas. Speaking of which, it was fantastic to see you. We don't get to do in person enough. We had a beautiful dinner at Mr. Chow at Caesars, we had drinks at at Lucky Strike, we held, uh, obviously, we did the live podcast. You and I did a couple morning sessions. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we got to do some more lives. I texted you about, um, this is totally throwing something out there. And for the listener, totally disregard if this never happens, and it probably won't. But <laughs> I was like, we should do a live podcast on top of Cerro Gordo. If you guys watch uh, a lot of YouTube, you've probably come across Ghost Town Living, the that YouTube channel of Brent Underwood living alone. This old abandoned silver mining ghost town. It's got like 1.6 million subs. He's going to be a guest soon, but maybe we'll do something a little bit more accessible, but uh, (laughs) that would be a fun one. Yeah, that would be a good one. I'm I'm all for taking this show on the road. And and we were texting after the show. I got to get to your new house too. We need to spend more time. Yeah, you can come hang here. Our Vegas trip. Let's do it. But for those who did not listen, I don't know if everyone's familiar. We did a a recording on the main stage in Vegas at Creator Economy Live. We were talking all things Barbie and the movie and creators with Lily Brigger. That episode recently dropped on Spotify, Apple, etc. So if you haven't tuned into that, Definitely check it out because it was a great episode. She was she was an unbelievable guest. I was blown away by her. That was really impressive, really sharp. And also, like, I love how we were able to get at least a bit practical and tactical. Oftentimes, those conversations are very high level. And I think she shared some real kind of challenges that a lot of people face in this space and um, some practical solutions as well. And, yeah, it was really thoughtful. Agreed. All right, well... That was previous. Let's talk about today because we have an action-packed agenda today. We're talking about a topic that we haven't really touched much, if at all, on this pod, which is retail media. And Brendan and I can self-identify our own non-expertise areas, and this is one of them. So we brought in somebody who is a much greater expert on retail media than us, and that is Mary Catherine Waltz, a.k.a. M.K., who's the Director of Media Connections at Danone. So MK, welcome to the pod. We are very excited to have an expert on this topic here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to to talk about this topic. (laughs) People who don't know Danone, I mean, I think most people do, but people who don't, very large CPG company, own a ton of brands you probably eat and interact with on a daily basis, Uh, International Delight, Silk, Oikos, Evian, Activia, Danon, many, many more brands. 
you and I have known each other for years. And I think your experience is so interesting because you were doing a lot of influencer work and then you moved over to this retail media side. So there's no one better to speak about that interaction between those two sides than you. So would love to hear about what you're doing today and, and kind of that transition from one to the other. Yeah. Thanks so much for that intro. And yes, most people probably know Danone as Danon, right? And we have are trying to work on a whole kind of other campaign about our, our brand awareness as Danone in the US. Yeah, so I have a, you know, over lots of lots of years, 20, 20 years experience in media planning and buying and branded partnerships and sponsorships and have been at Danone now for almost six years. Uh, before that, I was agency world and uh, touched a lot of different types of of brands, including CPG. And I wanted to to come and work at a manufacturer. So I have the a fortunate opportunity to do that and represent uh, Danone and all our, all of our wonderful brands. But over the past, I guess, two years, you know, I mean, retail media has has really heated up and been a huge growth area for the total you know media and advertising industry. Of course, Amazon started it, right? If you you know, in what two thousand eleven, probably. Like they were the the first ones in this space. And yes, we've been doing retail media from Amazon Vantage Point, as well as within, if you think about traditional shopper marketing, right? That is retail media. And now because retailers like, you know, big retailers that we know today, like a Walmart or Kroger, et cetera, Target, they have so much behavioral purchase data about our consumers who are buying our brands, buying our competitive brands. And now they're taking that data and making it available to advertisers also paired with amazing media inventory that I want to buy, which includes, you know, influencer marketing. I mean, it's exploded, exploded. 10 years ago when I was at Unilever, I did a lot of the work with the shopper marketing teams. And then it was it was starting to kind of come up there. But honestly, and we'll talk about this, it was almost considered a, a cost of doing business and not a strategic marketing investment. And now it has evolved many, many folds to be a major, major part of the retail world. So thank you for that, that over, overview. How, I guess, how um, have you seen these two worlds interact, if you have at all? You mentioned influencers, part of that, but, but how do all those who are listening who are part of influencer and creator economy think about retail media? Yeah, so I think it's a, a, another a tool in our, our toolbox in terms of how we're marketing to our consumers and, you know, utilizing influencers who might have, you know, uh, gravitate to one retailer versus another or, you know, utilizing influencer marketing to reach our audiences wherever they shop, right? So I think about it like, you know, influencer marketing, we have it throughout all of our majority of our, our brands that you mentioned. And it's a key, you know, way that we connect with our consumers or potential consumers. And within retail media, like I know in the in the past, a lot of our shopper teams were using specific target influencers, right? For example, like there were, and they would have that target influencer talk about, of course, like one of our brands while they're in the store, et cetera. And then we would amplify that, right? And so now I think that is a, a piece of it that we continue to utilize across all of our retail partnerships where we see, you know, high performance. Also on the other side, if we're just doing influencer campaigns within our media plans, a lot of the times the retail teams will see what we're doing and want to take that and then amplify it through, you know, through their lens, right? So it kind of goes both ways, if that makes sense. And from a practical execution standpoint, are you working with the creators that are also creating content within these platforms. Like, you know, there's the Amazon live and like creators can create content there as well. Is that a big part of the strategy? 
You know, it's not right now, but I we've started to kind of, especially within like the, I guess the live platforms like that, or like a, a firework is another one that's, that's kind of um, started and other ones, of course, but that is something that we, especially for like fresh foods, you know, it's kind of like a little bit different for us because it's like, you see that on the platform or you see it and you want to go buy it. Obviously we like link to the, where you can buy but it's not like a core piece of our our strategy yet. Yeah. It's really interesting to sort of see these worlds coming together more and more. Yeah. Well, if you think about food, like food and travel figured this out many years ago that people skip professional photography and videos and want to see what the everyday consumer is posting. I think CPG is just starting to figure it out. And so even Amazon and Walmart PDP pages, the product detail pages, you're seeing a lot more user, creator, influencer style content, the media that's being bought. You know, five, 10 years ago, the media you could buy on these, on these retail media platforms was all kind of search buys. It was just prioritization of product and search. And now it's evolved to be this great multimedia landscape. You mentioned Firework and others who can do placements of story style content or TikTok style content. So it's definitely getting to a place where CPG realizes this is the content that we need to actually influence consumer purchasing. Yeah, 100%. It's like I always have thought, and we're starting to do this more with some of our brands, especially Silk of, of late, and we can get into that a bit. But recipe content and like all you know, you use yogurt and a lot of different recipes, same with, you know, plant-based milk or organic dairy, like, you know, even international delight, we used to have really specific recipe content. And it's such a, a low hanging fruit for us to tap into that user behavior, create that, you know, beautiful content that then, you know, consumers see and want to go, go and buy or want to click exactly that recipe and take them to our brands to purchase. So I completely agree. Yeah. Do you miss our world? Do you miss dealing with the influencer world? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I, um, I still get to kind of see the, <laughs> is the output of it, right? And be kind of in the mix when there is a plan, you know, or um, elements that we're trying to bring into more of that retail media space and plans that we have going on. So I still get to experience it and, and be integrated into it, right? especially sitting across our enterprise of brands versus just focusing on one brand. Cause that's another evolution of my role with this responsibility is like, I used to just be focused on, you know, plant-based, you know, our beverages business unit, but now it's across really everything where this retail media is at the forefront for, you know, our enterprise of brands. So Brenda, by the way, have you done anything on the retail media side? Were you ever working on with the actual retailers on, on ad placements or content? I can't think of a specific example, but I have been eyeing the space a little bit. And it's funny, I, I when you're talking about recipes, I wanted to shout out. There's this company I met with recently. It's like a friend of a friend started it. It's called Jupiter um, that is working exclusively with a lot of these food creators. And he's basically building out a network where it's sort of like, okay, you can click through, see these people's recipes, and then go and like basically immediately click to shop and purchase all the different items that they had in specific recipes. So they're creating this really interesting sort of like marketplace where, you know, the creators are distributing the content. You can simply click access purchase and then they're driving to these pages where also retailers are buying space and kind of uh, pushing specific products and checkouts towards their sites and stuff. I don't know. It's sort of interesting to see that that evolution. But yeah, I can't recall like a specific one offhand, although I feel like I must have at some point. I'll have to check that out. Well, we, what we realize is, and MK, you know this better than anyone, is most of these major CPG brands don't really sell primarily D2C. And so all of the platform innovation that we hear with TikTok Shop and Instagram Checkout, and there's so much talk about it, but that doesn't really help the people who sell 90% of their goods through a Walmart or an Amazon, et cetera. So a lot of a lot of to your point, Brendan, it's carting, it's driving to recipe additions through your normal checkout flow from Walmart delivery. So it's a little bit harder from an attribution standpoint, but I think that's where a lot of the innovation is. From a media standpoint, this isn't really creator related. I'm just so curious. If every retailer has a different media group now, how do you even manage that? Do you have to have separate conversations with all these teams and separate buying strategies for every retailer? 
yes, there it is complex <laughs> because there are, yes, like you said, so many different ones. But from my vantage point and like where we're using our above the line, if you will, media dollars the most is in with the largest largest ones, right? Where we, some of our largest customers. So it's really like five to six of them that we engage in and invest in and figure out how we can buy similar, similarly, if I can say that word, across each different type and We really use them for like business specific objectives, meaning like, okay, I have a new product launch, like my international delight cold foam. And I know it's going to be really heavy distribution at, you know, I'm making it up Walmart, Kroger, wherever, then I will kind of do a deep dive and really focus in those areas and plan connected TV, social influencer, et cetera on top of and in conjunction with with my what my shopper marketing counterparts and e-com counterparts are doing so that we can have a truly like omni-channel plan across all of those touch points utilizing the data for who we want to target who we knows buying our brands or buying competitive brands or who might be interested in it and then we can also see on the back end too that's the other powerful piece that I didn't really get into is the quote unquote closed loop attribution, but it shows us business impact versus, you know, a Nielsen rating or whatever else it it might be. So that's been really powerful. And then we can, you know, go to market together as a whole Danone to our retailers and that, and that's powerful. And we can see that impact within advertising metrics as well as, as sales metrics as which, you know, like I said, you don't really have on, on a lot of other tactics. Yeah. This business impact is everything. It's just everything. Like we talked about that in Vegas and, and I think it's getting so sophisticated with MTA and MMM tracking and just what percentage of impact is coming from different tactics. I think it's so, so valuable. And then I I have to say, because we were talking about this before, you did mention the cold foam. Do you still have a bottle handy? This thing is so cool. (laughs) New release, international delight. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like a cool whip. You spray uh-huh. it into your coffee. Are you, oh my god! Yes. You have the silk mug. This is just yeah, this see, is the best brand. I know. I should have put I've some seen. stuff back there, but no, I can. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to see the inside of my cup, but I'll show you. And then you, yeah, you yeah. Can look at that. See. Do it's you not see that? Brandon? Be a great angle. <laughs> <laughs> with my dirty mug <laughs> that is so it's so awesome but it's, it's really so good. awesome and i was saying i i think we could talk about it right it's not everywhere it's not everywhere yet i don't think but is it full full distribution i you know it's ramping up right now but like yeah so if you're in a market that is i got this at a king supers here which is a kroger banner um so it's there <laughs> And our, I think our media is live. Yeah. Yep. I saw some of the creator content, some still to come, but it's, it's this unboxing and you see them trying it for the first time. So you get like the excitement of them. There's a whole new form factor for everyone. So the creator content was fantastic. I think this is going to be a great campaign. The other thing you said though, that I did want to highlight, which Brendan, I feel like this is such a big opportunity for people starting companies and people doing things is the idea of how to take a piece of content and translate it to a lot of different retailers and a lot of different banners. You mentioned Kroger. They have a ton of banners. Albertsons has a ton of banners. Not to mention Kroger versus Walmart versus Target. How can a creator take a single piece of content through AI, change when they mention the retailer or the overlay or just manual work, I guess, but that one piece of content, if you are Kroger Albertsons, you need to literally change every single thing about what they say and show on screen with the retailer mentioned for each of the banners in each of the cities and locations. So that's, if you work with retailers, you know it's a very hard thing to solve. Oh, yeah. Well, and one thing that's really interesting too, and we've touched on this a bit, is like this integration of creators into paid, which I think for something like this, you know, and retailers and CPGs in particular, when you know, I imagine you're trying to drive in store and maybe something's only regionally available or maybe you know it's going to resonate more. You're able to integrate with creators and leverage the ability to target ads to specific regions to drive more, you know, in some cases, foot traffic or awareness in regions where I think oftentimes there's a 
kind of a, a, a default of simply working with creators on their content and leaving it on their channels and just sort of letting it be out there. And then independent of that or in a separate silo, creating more the, the brand and traditional ad content. And it's amazing to sort of see these worlds intertwine more and more to be, I think, even more impactful, sort of one plus one equals three scenario. Yeah, I think that's a great point and something that we're trying to do more of with, you know, like ramp up, you said, of distribution and where our products are and utilizing people who will resonate better in certain areas with a lot of these. And it's hopefully going to, you know, pay off more because, I mean, if I think about my behavior, you know, (laughs) on social, I trust those who are in my local sphere and want to know what they're doing and going on, what have going on, what they're promoting. So I think it's an area that we'll continue to explore and focus on for sure. Are you hearing any anything from the retailers on, let's take TikTok as an example. TikTok was aggressively courting and partnering retailers. You saw a bunch of those Walmart streams that they did. They were really trying to get Target and Albertsons and others onto the platform. And then they, in the midst of all that went, oh, we're a retailer now and we have all the data. We're now going to sell products directly. Our retailers thinking differently about their social partnerships? Because to your point, most people are going to go to social, not the retailer site, hear the recommendation, and then try to go to a purchase. So how are retailers looking at social platforms as partners versus competitors? I can't speak on behalf of them about that, but I can tell you what I know from a like media perspective and how we have engaged with social platforms plus retail media network. Right. I don't know enough about their kind of roadmap beyond that (laughs) and how they're viewing them as a competitor for, you know, sourcing sales from the media publisher and partnership side. All the major retail media networks, they all have a partnership with Meta, most of them. Right. And TikTok is the only one that I know that has, and because we did a point of proof of concept on this a year ago with Walmart and TikTok, utilizing Walmart data, TikTok creator exchange, and promoting one of our silk plant-based creamers. That is now in the market to purchase through Walmart Connect. I'm assuming others will will follow suit, but that that's the only like area I can speak to. I don't know how if if they're viewing them as competitors from a you know, sales standpoint. And what's Walmart Connect? I'm not familiar with that. Walmart Connect is the advertising arm of Walmart. So that's what their organization is. They sell, you know, all the on-site ads, search ads, all the connected TV, social ads. Yeah, that's the group within Walmart. But Brendan, I was going to say, so if you think about Amazon, like when I was at Unilever, Amazon got so big that you really couldn't not sell there. And then when you started to sell there, frankly, they just kind of took the data on what was performing and then introduced their own products or kind of monetized them in their own direction. But it was too big. We couldn't not play there at that point. TikTok, I thought maybe they'd go the same direction, get so big, get all of the retailers and, and kind of brands on, and then maybe start the themselves as a retailer once everyone was already on and selling and settled, but they did it early. They did it before these platforms really came on. So I'm curious if you're a Target or a Walmart, do you hesitate and say, well, now if I put all my stuff on, they are a retailer. They could just take all the data on what's performing, put in a lower price private label product, undercut me for the sale, and just kind of drive all their own sales if that's a priority as, as them being a retailer. So I think it's going to be really interesting how the retailers and the social platforms partner if they are really going to go in the direction of being a retailer too. I think one thing though in looking at TikTok specifically is it seems like most things we're seeing now, I mean like they just announced like the TikTok live studios and they're basically going to be facilitating production for like live social commerce and they've got these studios they're building out in LA most moves have sort of mirrored what they've done in China. And and to my knowledge, I don't believe that they've gotten into actually launching their own products unless I'm, you know, it's been a little while since I've done a deep dive on like Douyin, but I don't think they've done that just yet. 
So I imagine at least for the next few years, the, the big brands out there are relatively safe. That's a very good point. Speaking of those partnerships, was there anything, MK, you saw over the last year, uh, Insider Intelligence actually had a really good graph the other week of all the partnerships in 2023 that happened that were related to social platforms. And Albertsons and Pinterest was on there, which I think was more of a data play. Amazon, Meta, and Snap's partnership from a commerce perspective, Meta and Dollar General, Pinterest and Amazon. Anything interesting from these partnerships or, or things you think are coming that, that you're paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the natural evolution of, of every retail media network forming these valuable partnerships, right? Because I think, you know, we've done, like Kroger has had one with Pinterest for quite some time. And obviously Meta, like I said, has a lot of them with every retailer, but it's just all the retail media networks, honestly, kind of catching up with where things are, right? And that's why I think TikTok, you don't see on here a lot, because I think there's, you know, some, I think, potential issues that some of the retailers might have with that platform, et cetera. But that's the one that like stands out, right? Because you can't get that that everywhere. You know, Pinterest, we do use quite a bit across a lot of the retail media networks because we see, you know, high performance with with the type of content that's there. So having it available across more, those partnerships across more retailers is valuable for us. Can you explain how it works for, for people who don't know? When I say people who don't know, I mean Brendan and I. So in Pinterest, when they're connected to a retailer and you do things, how does that whole ecosystem of data actually play out? So if I am... So we'll take the Albertsons example. If I am doing a, a plan with Albertsons Media Collective where I want to run Pinterest and utilize their data, the Albertsons specific shopper data for my campaign, I will work with the Albertsons Media Collective group and I will put a plan together with them that includes Pinterest and I will transact that through Albertsons and they are the middle, they're buying Pinterest on behalf of me utilizing their data, right? So it's kind of a little, each one is set up a little bit differently depending on the partner, depending on what you can do, how it's bought. But I know Pinterest specifically works that way across all of them. So Pinterest sees it as Albertsons buying it, not Denome, which is also, which is a whole other topic, right? because I will transact with Pinterest direct too, right? So it's just, it creates a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if bottleneck's the right word or like a, you know, it's like they're buying on behalf of us because I get to use their data. Whereas other platforms like a CTV platform, or if I'm buying CTV programmatically through a DSP called like the Trade Desk, I know we're getting a bit off social topic, but just to compare I can use the retailer data on the media that I'm already buying. Whereas like this Pinterest setup makes it to where I have to go through Albertsons to use their data on the Pinterest media. That makes sense. So it's not a direct buy. It is a direct buy. It's not a programmatic buy. You have to do it directly, basically. Exactly. Through, yes, through those channels. And so we're trying to be in this whole space of retail media, we try to be first movers. We try to like test and learn. We try to push the envelope a bit to make sure we can have transparency. We can get credit, if you will, for how we're transacting through vendors, right? And so we're trying to create different, you know, ways of working and agreements and, and test and learn where maybe in the future we don't have to do that and we can just access potentially the the data on a Pinterest, but that's one that's that's not there yet, but that we're partnering with with them to try and, and do, you know, for the future. Because that's where I think it'll eventually go. If you think about cookie deprecation and and monetizing and trying to monetizing data and then on the retailer side, but then trying we talked earlier about like there's all these, you know, you have to go to all the different ones and do your transaction there okay, it'd be great if I could just pull in all their data with how I'm buying and buy it on my own, buy the media I want on my own. I think it will eventually, go. a lot of it will go there for ease of buying, ease of, probably, obviously, Amazon will stay in its own platform, things like that. But if you think about the others who don't have, well, and Kroger has their own too, 
but you can also access that data <laughs> programmatically. So it's all over the place. But the point is, is I think with the increase of the spend and interest in this retail media category, it will hopefully become easier for us <laughs> to, to, to buy. <laughs> Creator Economy Live. Join Keith and Brendan live and in person, as well as hundreds of brands in Vegas on January 17th for lively conversation and debate about everything in the world of influencer marketing and the creator economy. You referenced the, um, something along the lines of like the platforms and retailers sort of playing catch up. Is everyone just trying to catch up to Amazon right now? Are they like continuously the first mover and driving all these changes? That's sort of my perception as somebody who's not in the weeds of this space so much. Yeah. I mean, they were the first ones, but and I think of Amazon as a publisher more than a retailer with like how I look at, you know, plan and buy them from a media perspective, right? Because yes, fresh foods, right? It's only a, a very portion <laughs> of that is available to consumers on Amazon, right? And so if I think about the, the data they sit on and the behavior, the all they know about our consumers, plus all of the content that they have, right? If you think about um, Fire TV platforms, Prime Video, Freebie, Twitch, I mean, you, it's like I can pair all of that together, right? And see impact on and off Amazon, right? And so that's where I think the other retailers have started creating, you know, and monetizing their advertising platforms with, they don't have, you know, content publishing that they're putting out, right? Other than like social content or whatever it might be. They are not sitting on something like Prime Video that they're, you know, controlling. So it's like they have to partner with these other premium publishers to pair their data with that content. So for example, like last year, Walmart Connect and even Kroger. So like Kroger has a has started by having a relationship with Roku, right? So I can put that Kroger data on top of the the Roku content and that connected TV platform. And so I say that they're all like catching up, just meaning like they're all now developing partnerships with premium content or premium publishers like a Roku, like a Warner Media you know, et cetera, to provide to their advertisers the pairing of that content that everybody's streaming and wants to watch and or watch it on social, et cetera, with that data and closed loop business impact. You do get basically, if you're, you're Kroger and your Albertsons examples, you'll get down to the club card level. If you do something on, you know, Pinterest with Albertsons, you'll know if they purchased the people who are delivered or we're not quite there yet. Mm, every platform is a little bit differently, different based off of what they'll share. So I know for Pinterest, I can see sales lift and brand lift, depending on how we set it up, right? And then I know for other tactics across other retail platforms, I can see, yeah, my incremental return on ad spend. I can see return on ad spend. I can see new to brand buyers, which is a really powerful metric for us trying to obviously grow our brands and continue to grow our brands, bringing lapse buyers back in new to the brand or new to the category, right? If that's relevant, but that's been a, a super powerful metric for us to, to prove out some of these retail media plans. Yep. So to your point, Brendan, then influencer and creator content in media, when you're doing it through these different mechanisms, you can literally compare how that content is performing against other content from an actual lower funnel business impact. And a lot of the brands we work with are, are doing those tests and seeing just how much more valuable that content is. And again, I don't think many brands are getting rid of their BAU or business as usual content that they have to do. It's more of how do you do them in concert? And when you set your frequency targets on consumers, how do you make sure they get a mix of creator style content, testimonials, product reviews, and your more brand hero assets. But I think every test I've seen, straight commercial like BAUs versus either straight creator or a combination of that BAU and creator, it never works as well as integrating the creator content. So this data I just think is, is the holy grail. Like it's, it's actually propping up creator because it's proving its own value. Have you seen anything with the retailer actual creator programs or social shops? Because Target did their storefronts 
Walmart has their creator program, which they launched last year. Are you also doing things there again? It's just that's on the other side and then you're looking more content in the media side. No, I like I said before, I think it's something we need to do more of, right? And I think it does happen now more so within our our shopper marketing organization. And they're the ones kind of leaning into that, which is awesome. So from a media, like my perspective, I haven't dove into it as much, but I think now that our brands are starting to dive back in and to influence or more, right? I think, yes, we've done larger celebrity influencer type stuff uh, in the past and other all types of different influence or creator influencer plans across the board. I think now we're starting to, you know, basically just do more of it. And I think that natural like learning and seeing how things are going will evolve more into this retail media space is kind of my, my hope. And I can get more involved in that and understand what's working, what's not, how can we maximize and include that in our retail media plans moving forward. Yeah. Brenda, did you see and did we talk about all of the platforms are now investing in this retroactive AI tagging of products so that all of your videos on a, a TikTok or YouTube, if you're wearing branded clothing or you're drinking branded coffee or a branded mic, you can retroactively, not yet, they're working on it, tag all of that and then make it shoppable. So it doesn't even have to be official brand partnerships. You could just start monetizing Everything that's been in any of your videos historically, I think it's brilliant. And I think it's going to be huge moving forward for creator monetization and for for brands. Oh, 100%. To me, it sort of reminds me of, I can't remember the name of it, but a lot of the blogs in in maybe like the early 2010s, um, there's a big transition towards like affiliate marketing to sort of generate incremental revenue. And there were a bunch of tools that came out where they would basically go through the entire blog and like any sort of reference to a product. I remember Gawker rolling this out, suddenly became clickable and was like an affiliate link and stuff. And this seems obviously far more complex, but very much following that same playbook of like, yeah, I mean, if I want to generate some additional revenue off of content I've already made, why not just flip a switch? And if anything, in a way, it's sort of more credible and authoritative because it was like made just out of pure passion or whatever without any sort of inclination that it might be monetizable or any sort of agenda. I mean, it totally makes sense. And with the advent of AI, it seems so, so powerful. I mean, I can't imagine what must go into building something like that, though, scanning all the video and imagery and text to to find proper sort of like pairing and stuff. That's a complex challenge. That's why NVIDIA is one of the most profitable, valuable companies in the world right now. But I mean, MK, imagine a world where you get pinged and say, you know, you have a thousand mentions in get ready with me videos of your International Delight cold foam. Do you want to offer an affiliate incentive for all of these people to tag the product so that it's fully shoppable? I could see a world where all of a sudden this UGC and creator-generated content and influencer content is a really interesting link to brands from an affiliate perspective or just an incentive perspective of do you want access and rights to this content? Brendan, you mentioned TikTok Live Studio launching. That's them opening some actual production studios in LA. They also started 30-minute videos. We've been talking about them going longer. They're also incentivizing Minute Plus landscape videos for creators. So you have long form on TikTok was a hot topic the last few weeks. Instagram private messaging was a hot topic. They did Flipside, which is this formal Finsta offering. They did stories just for friends, so you could limit it to just friends. So private messaging. And then YouTube announced their thumbnail testing is coming very soon. And Snapchat had a Samba TV partnership. So I didn't know if you you had any high-level thoughts on any of that, but didn't want to wrap before we gave a little update on the news. With regards to what's going on TikTok, I think it's really interesting Once again, like looking at what's happening in China, I mean, there are tons of, and they even refer to them as MCNs as well, but huge production spaces where people are lined up, live streaming constantly, pitching products. And consistently, TikTok has sort of followed that Dewey in playbook. It's just, you know, maybe four or five years after the fact. And it's a proven model there. So I have a feeling that that'll do quite well. And then with regards to the long form content, you know, looking at Du Yin in China, you know, the desktop version looks almost like YouTube. You know, it's very long form esque. 
an investment in, in you know, 30 minute plus long videos, I think has the potential to solve for one of the biggest criticisms that people have of TikTok, where it's like people don't become as emotionally invested in the creators themselves. It's more of a content experience versus like a creator experience. Whether or not that solves it, I think that's TBD. I don't think it's probably in TikTok's best interest, but it, it might entice creators and help some of them succeed long-term. And all the messaging stuff is fascinating. I've been saying for a while that it seems like dark social and like basically, you know, private communities that where conversation is not public, that seems to be a big trend. I mean, it's already massive. I mean, where's most of your messaging happening? It's probably in DMs and group chats versus, you know, a public post. So any investment there, I think, is really smart. And you've already seen, too, like this whole other ecosystem built up around that. You know, you've got the discords and the mighty networks and the circle apps of the world who've built full businesses around these features. So whether or not, um, you know, there's that phrase, there's uh, every business is a bundling and unbundling of services. It'll be interesting to sort of see the knock-on effects of you know, a Discord and Mighty Networks, will they continue to thrive? Or is there just sort of a place for a lot of different players in the space? It'll be interesting to see that play out. I'm excited, but I, I think I'm super bullish on all these growing, who the individual winners and losers will be, I think totally remains to be seen. But um, I don't picture any of this slowing down. Yeah, it is not easy to be a marketer in today's day and age with how much segmented content there is. And, and remember that Adam Asari interview a few months back where he said more multimedia messaging is consumed and shared in private DMs than stories and in feed. That blew my mind. So yeah, I think as a marketer, it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get easier. I mean, as a human being, <laughs> like I'm like constantly bouncing around between apps. Like, who, who, wait, where did I talk to this person? Where? When did we say that? You know, there's like all those memes about how you like, you know, who your close friends are. If you're like DMing them memes and Instagram and then totally in parallel to that, having a conversation around like where you're going to be hanging out and in text messages and stuff. Too much. The quad screen. I've got Slack, Google Chat, Lark. I've too many, too many chat things going on, even for work. All right, let's move into cow, bow, follow, unfollow. Just as a warm-up, though, the audience knows us, MK. (laughs) Give us a little, what what are you consuming? Just so we know as we move into this, what is your social consumption behavior? If I went on your Explore page right now, what what are you watching over there? Uh, I watch a lot of recipe content. Right now, I'm like three years or four years behind almost on this whole like sourdough stuff, but I've started that the past few weeks. But I do a lot of cooking. I like to dabble in in different recipes and stuff. So this is my new year one. Um, And then I have a lot of pet content, a lot of outdoor skiing content. Yeah, because I'm trying to become a better skier. All right. Well, that will give context now as we move into cow bow. So creator of the week, Brendan, do you want to kick us off? Who is your cow? Sure. I'll do a quick shameless bit of self-promotion real quick. I launched a course yesterday officially, and it's um, in partnership with this guy, Jason Bagley, who is the executive creative director at Wyden and Kennedy, did all the huge, you know, Old Spice stuff. Really talented dude. I think he's won more can lines than any other creative director or something like that. Like, he's like very accomplished guy. And he launched a course um, had a lot of success with it about how to become a creative director and then hit me up because he found me on TikTok and was like, hey, dude, would you want to do one under my umbrella? You know, we'll produce it all for you and kind of go through the whole process. So I've been working on that. And if anybody's interested. What's it called? You want to give a name drop? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the so the URL is, uh, it's a long one, School of Astonishing Pursuits. And, uh, you know, it's got, now he's got a few people to myself as well as you know folks in other kind of aspects of the ad agency business but it covers all things social from developing an own content strategy to influencer marketing as well as kind of basic sort of career advice and thoughts on like how to develop strategy and frameworks and sort of 
make sense of the chaos that is social. I'm not very good at, at shameless self-promotion, but I will give that a plug. And if anybody's interested, yeah, schoolofastonishingpursuits.com. I love it. Great. Proud of you, man. Once Sean said that a creator made $100 million on Kajabi through courses, Brendan's like, we got to get this thing live now. Oh my gosh. And I got that name. I know he didn't share it, but I, I, I over drinks with um, that woman from Kajabi. I got her to spill the beans on who that was. <laughs> yeah, that was in Vegas. We had to swear yeah, to secrecy, hilarious. but she did tell us who it was. <laughs> All right, MK, who is your creator of the week? I don't actually know his name, but his if you have you ever seen this guy creative explained and he tells you how yeah, to, yeah. How to mm-hmm. do I I love him. And I know he's trying to increase his followers, but I do a lot of the stuff that, you know, he recommends. Like I have an avocado tree <laughs> because of him and a lot of some I turned my Christmas tree into a um, you know, disinfectant spray. It was awesome. Whoa. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check this guy out. Yes, check him out. Following right now, and it's within like 30 seconds. You're like, okay, I got it. You know, it's like the craziest stuff. So, well, it's it's more like upcycling, right? You're kind of like, you know, instead of throwing away my avocado pit, I'm gonna just turn it into a tree. That's a great one. Mine was. um, I normally like to promote kind of micro macro creators and not celebrities, but Anthony Hopkins. Your TikTok is pure gold. Thank you for what you're doing right now. I mean, everyone knows who Anthony Hopkins is. He's 80-something. I think he's 85 or 86 years old. And it's so good. It's He looks great. It's everything you would want from an Anthony Hopkins TikTok page. So you deserve this shout-out, Anthony Hopkins. That's my cat. All right, bow, brand of the week. Brendan, kick us off. Oh my gosh. I was like debating if this is one worth talking about. I don't want to get in hot water. I'm not getting into any moral conversations whatsoever. Like people can make up their own decisions. We're all adults, but I'm going with Bud Light. All right. So yesterday, Bud Light announced a partnership with Shane Gillis. If you're not familiar with Shane Gillis, He's also <laughs> gone through his fair share of controversies. He was the uh, comedian who was fired from SNL within, I think, 24 hours of them announcing him as a cast member. He never was even on the show. But he's a comedian, podcaster. I did a little bit of digging. He actually has the single largest podcast on Patreon. It's a Matt and Shane secret podcast. I mean, he's like the typical, like, cli- like to a T, cliche bro. He loves football and beer. And he has been a diehard Bud Light drinker and embraced it during the controversy. I think he sort of even reveled in a little bit of the, uh, uh, you know, being a little bit contrarian by continuing to drink it. Drank it on the Joe Rogan episode a bunch of times. And I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of single-handedly kept the brand afloat. I I did a little bit of digging and I think ABI saw a 29% decrease in revenue in Q4. It was crazy. I mean, I, I knew there was a big impact, but I didn't realize it was that big. But they announced a partnership with Shane Gillis, and he posted it to his Instagram yesterday, and I came across it. And I was like, is this just a joke, or is this for real? And it's for real. Like, Bud Light reposted it. It's got the little brand sponsor. And I would not be surprised if this turns the tide for the brand in a really meaningful way. I mean, Shane Gillis is skyrocketing. He's doing Radio City Music Hall three days in a row. Like, he's probably the hottest comedian at the moment. And um, he also, I don't know how friendly he is or isn't, but he he's like, you know, he's a bro. He parties. He's like got posts hanging out with Kid Rock and stuff. I'm almost wondering if they're teeing up some sort of like stunt at the Super Bowl. Like, I'm going to make a prediction. I think it's a long shot, but I I wouldn't be blown away if they get Kid Rock and Shane Gillis to do something to get people excited about Bud Light again. So I'm throwing it out there. Kid Rock, Shane Gillis, Bud Light, Super Bowl. 
Yeah, and they have Peyton Manning too, right? In the commercial, I saw. I swear, I saw a commercial with Peyton Manning in there. Yeah, where he like buys around for the bar. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. So it's good prediction. And Bud Light music is huge. Americans love a comeback story. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna love this one, but yeah. <laughs> Bud Light does a ton in the music scene, a ton in the music scene. Yeah, they have a whole like garage kind of thing. So I could see Kid Rock getting involved in that for sure. This again goes back to what Lily said last week in Vegas. Know your consumers, know your brand. For good or for worse, this is more their consumer profile than anything they've done recently. And you kind of have to just know who your consumer is and lean into that. All right, MK, what do you have? Who is your bow? Obviously, it has to be one of my brands. Uh, so Silk, we just finished up our Plenty Good Challenge, which was like a seven, you know, incorporate um, plant-based silk milk into your breakfast for seven days and see a difference. And we had, I think it was five or six different creators helping us promote all of this. So it was one of them was Robin Arzan, if you're a Peloton person, uh, Brunch with Babs which love her. And um, another one was Vanessa Hudgens. So I just loved it because of the range of the different, it was very big range of the different type of creators and, you know, celebrity, if you will, on some of them. So I just thought it was great. So, and we've seen, you know, positive impact and, and engagement with them. So that's my my shameless plug. <laughs> I love it. Silk is a great brand. They were going to be one of mine, and I had a hunch. I had a hunch you might go there, so I didn't put it online. But yeah, team here was very excited when that campaign launched. The creative is beautiful. I did love the Nepo Babies campaign last year. I will say I know it didn't have quite the sales impact that the brand was hoping for, but both campaigns, beautifully done from Silk. Brand is on fire. Yeah, poor, poor Next Milk. I know. Such a good product. Such a good product. <laughs> I mean, that campaign and that campaign was so awesome. It was so good. Was really good. I know. It was such a good campaign. It was awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I love that one. My bow this week, I was struggling. I had like five and I narrowed it to uh, to two. My runner-up was Miralax. I have to shout out Miralax. They got Alana and Abby back together from Broad City to talk about poop, which was hilarious if you did not see it. Full disclosure, we, we do a lot of their influencer creator work, but it was cool. We didn't execute that because I was the hero creative, but I remember being in the IAT boardroom meeting, you know, six, seven months ago when that idea was pitched and we're like, it's so cool, but that's never going to happen. And then fast forward six and seven months and the video's out. It got a ton of press, really cool work. So Miralax was my runner up. And then I we have to plug Atria Books because that partnership with Mark Sebastian on the, on the 90 day cruise that took over TikTok was sheer brilliance. If you didn't follow it, Mark Sebastian posted, like, if any brand will send him on this cruise, the 90-day cruise, he'll post all about this brand. The last company you would think is Atria Books. And Atria Books sent him for 18 days to read a book on the cruise ship and document his experience. And so he polled the audience, said, which book should I read? They picked the book. He was reading the book. He was documenting everything. And it was everywhere. So Atria Books, bravo. You get my brand of the week. Listen, outside the box partnerships, we've talked about this a lot. Remember Chipotle with Elf Cosmetics? Like it works. It really does work. Agree. That's what we're trying to do. Trying to do more of those things. I mean, you see our the other one is um we have Stoke and Wrexham, which is, you know, not even a United States uh, soccer team. We're not even sold in Wales. Anyway, another Danone brand shout out. <laughs> Amazing. I was going to chime in, uh, uh, Keith. It works most of the time, but uh, per the Bud Light reference, not all the time. Yeah. Well, you need, again, you just need to know your brand and your audience. And just as long as you're constantly sticking to that, and there's a difference between unhinged and creative, and there's a difference between going way outside your consumer and, and like following your consumer set. So I agree, though. I think brands just get lost in, in the culture and not understanding who their brand is. All right, let's turn the corner. We are coming to the finish line. We have follow, unfollow. Brendan, kick us off. Yeah, for sure. And one of mine is a build on one of yours, admittedly. I'm sort of building, uh, you know, I took a sneak at what you'd written down. But my first one's to follow Shane plus Bud Light. I'm fascinated to see where this goes. I think the timing, you know, whatever, two weeks before the Super Bowl. I don't know when the Super Bowl is. I don't really watch football. But two, three weeks before the Super Bowl, I feel like there's something big 
you know, some undercurrent here, something big coming. I'm really curious to see what happens. I also think just strategically, that is a really smart partnership from a business standpoint. My unfollow, and sorry to steal your thunder a little bit, Keith, but Snoop, but like, I think a lot of people are making a big hubbub about like that whole solo stove campaign. I don't really have a strong opinion on that one way or or another, but I think it's really interesting how Snoop has sort of become this default celebrity for so many brands. And in this era where people often talk about how we need to kind of have, uh, you know, air quotes, authenticity or credibility, the fact that he's sort of ubiquitous and any brand can work with him. He's doing sketchers, he's doing this, that. He's just everywhere. To me, I wonder how impactful that is. And, and in addition to that, and this is not a judgment, I think Snoop is cool and I would totally want to work with him. So, it, But it's more of an, so I'm clarifying, this is an observation. This is not a moral judgment. I feel like I'm like tiptoeing into things. He's been involved in some less than savory behaviors in the past and, and um, in this era where you know, it's like Me Too or post Me Too. You know, he, he um, you know, I don't know, it was like a decade ago, was open about him being a, a pimp. And I always just wonder when I look at this, how these big brands sort of like thread the needle from a brand safety standpoint. It's just like piques my curiosity. And once again, like Snoop is objectively cool, but it's it's sort of interesting how so many brands work with him and he's sort of um, got this like Teflon around him from uh, sort of like, uh, I don't know, a lot of like the impact where I think other people would have maybe not been able to overcome that from a brand safety perspective. So I don't know. It was just like something I keep swirling back on. I don't think I articulated it well, but, um, you know, and it's not like an unfollow. No, I hear you. We've talked about this before, how celebrities have a different different kind of criteria and vetting process than the average creator. I've seen creators be disqualified from working with a brand for saying something like five years ago about not liking some weird product or category. So celebs definitely have a different, a different kind of scope than I think the normal creator does. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. thought that was sort of interesting, and it's, it is what it is. But yeah, how about you, MK? Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, All good. I have a follow. I don't, I don't know who I would unfollow, but I will you know, let you guys fill that in. But so kind of back to some of the dog stuff, there's this ridiculous mini poodle called Noodles the Pooch, who is a working poodle. And says everything that you're thinking, you know, when you're at work. And it's, they're hilarious. And she's created this whole, you know, persona for this mini poodle and has merchandise and and all kind of stuff. So it just makes me laugh. So that's why. All right. My follow on follow, you mentioned it actually, MK, but my follow is Grandfluencers. They're having a moment and I'm loving every minute of it. There's some actual great ones in San Francisco here. I have a few I'm going to shout out, although I don't want to keep it to these. There's so many good ones, but I did have brunch with Babs on there. She's so fantastic. Uh, the Old Gays are amazing. Batty Winkle, Grandma Droniak, Iris Atful. The Old Gays. The Old Gays? Uh, there's like a group of like old guys from the UK who rap, like who do hardcore rap. And they're like 80, 90. And it is the great. I got to dig those guys up. They're hilarious. I'm going to add them for next week. Okay, that's not the old gates, but I do want to see the content you're talking okay, about. Okay, my bad. And I'm wondering how you were targeted with that content too. Uh, but that is my follow. Keep keep following the grand influencers, people. They're killing it. And then my unfollow was also the the Snoop's, Snoop Solo Stove thing. But mine was really just the whole nonsense around people saying that was the reason why the CEO was fo- fired. And like, this show's creator isn't working. And I would argue many things, but one being a CEO is not getting fired over over one celebrity partnership. Two is that program happened three months before he got fired. I don't think they were judging it based on that. And three, I don't know when I'm going to need a stove of that nature that's smokeless, but if I do, there is only one brand in the world that I know of, and it's because of Snoop Dogg. So I'd say success, campaign. I stand with Snoop on that front. Don't blame him for Solo Stove firing their CEO. I mean, that PR was everywhere. I think they undoubtedly 
did a good job from that standpoint. Although instantly when I saw that, I swear, I, I should have done posts about this. I was like, this is definitely a stunt. Like, he's not, like, in the way the phrasing, it's like, I stopped. He said, I'm stopping smoke. Like, it wasn't like, I'm going to stop smoking weed. The phrasing, it was like, if he's going to quit smoking weed, he just say he's going to quit smoking weed. Like, it, I don't know. There was sort of like little tells in there. But like, yeah, I mean, that headline was everywhere. And so I think they did a good job. Yeah. If the goal of that campaign was lower funnel sales, I think people misunderstood what they, what they were attempting to do. That was brilliant brand awareness. Brilliant brand awareness. All right. We are over. We are over, but we made it. MK, thank you so much for joining us. I learned actually a ton through this, and I hope I hope the listeners enjoyed hearing about retail media because, again, it's not a topic we've covered before, but really nice having you on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and for more of the latest news on what's happening in influencer marketing and the creator economy, check out the Creator Economy Insider newsletter, delivering awesome content straight to your inbox every Friday. And you can find the links to the newsletter and more info on the live event in our bio. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Linkia. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. And for more of the latest news on what's happening in influencer marketing and the creator economy, check out the Creator Economy Insider newsletter, delivering awesome content straight to your inbox every Friday. And if you want to meet Brendan and I in person, along with some of the incredible guests that will be joining us on the show live and in person, join us at Creator Economy Live on January 17th next year. You can find links to the newsletter and more info on the live event in our bio. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast is brought to you by Linkia, the number one influencer marketing partner for the world's leading brands. Having executed over 3,000 campaigns for more than 650 brands, Linkia combines technology powered by Google Vision AI with award-winning service to deliver measurable influencer results.